Welcome to Hashtag Love Yourself. I'm your host, Jesse Jobson, and I'm going to guide you on your personal journey towards self-love. Hi, my beautiful souls. Welcome back to Hashtag Love Yourself. Today's episode is going to be about the mother wound. And so this is a mother load of an episode. Um, Let me tell you, it took a lot of research and I did a lot of healing on my part. It was a really beautiful piece to this Love Yourself journey that I'm on. Um, And I just am so excited to share this information with you guys because it can transform your life and do wonders when people start to recognize um, and heal their wounds, especially like the thing that's closest to everybody on earth, even if you're with your mom on earth or without, um, that is how you came into this world. And it is a big piece of every person, uh, regardless if it's a piece of your journey or not, right? So the wounds, um, like I said, if whether the mother is absent or there is really, you know, really deep and close to their heart. So um, I'm excited to get in and dig in and explain to you what the mother wound is, why it's important for us to heal it, um, how to recognize how our wounds um, play out in our lives, and then also how to heal our mother wounds. So let's dig in. So the first thing is, um, what is the mother wound? And honestly, to tell you the truth, I just recently, because being on this path of um, self-love and loving myself, um, trying to discover how to be the best version of me, I just discovered the mother wound. And I had never really heard this term before, um, but I, I kind of get, you know, like just intuitively figured that, you know, like, especially the mom has such a big, important role in who we become and how we enter this world. Um, I figured it was a big thing, but I didn't really know what the mother wound was. And uh, upon research, I was really um, surprised to find that it is such an essential part of all of us. Um, So what it is, is when your mom's wounds um, made her unavailable to provide for your needs as a child. So whatever that may look like for you, right? there's going to be a spectrum, just like on anything. There's going to be an extreme, which an extreme might be, um, an extreme mother wound would be like a mom who is, you know, like maybe a drug addict and she can't, you know, physically provide for her baby. She can't, she's not there. She abandons her baby. You know, those are big extremes, right? And not everybody has that life and not everybody lives that life, um, or experiences that with their mom. But Um, A lower end of the spectrum might be that um, you are super close with your mom. You talk to your mom every day. You have, um, you know, on the outside, everything looks like a perfect relationship, but we're all humans. We're all people and everybody has wounds. Your mom is no exception. And even though she might be the most amazing person on this earth to you, there's still little things that um, got passed down to you um, that were that had wounded her, right? Um, and everybody's different. Um, and then somewhere maybe in the middle would be, um, you know, you just, you don't enjoy being around your mom as an adult. You find it hard to go to family functions because you hate her criticism on your body. You hate um, hearing her negative views on who you are as an adult and as a person in this world. Um, you know, so it just like, it can be a complete range. Um, and so it, no one is better off or worse off, right? I mean, of course, we don't desire to be abandoned as babies and children. Um, and we don't, 
um, ever desire for children to, you know, to be abused with like drugs and things like that. But everybody comes down to this earth for a completely different experience. Um, everybody's is unique and just purposeful for what your soul has desired to experience on this earth plane. So, um, so no judgment, right? Wherever the spectrum you lie. Um, but I think it's really powerful for us to take the time to heal the mother wounds, whether they are not that deep and, and they're just like these small things that kind of make up some of the quirks of your personality, right? On the light end of the spectrum, or if they are things that habitually um, make you repeat cycles within your reality and within your relationships with other people and it and it wounds you. Um, I know for me personally, um, I have recognized as an adult that I play a specific role within every relationship that I encounter. So no matter what relationship it is, I continue to play this role with people. And it comes from my childhood with my mother and my sisters who were like mother figures to me, right? And I play that role again and again. And usually my relationships end up having some sort of turmoil or pain because I'm reliving those experiences through energy, right? With different people. Um, I love what Abraham says and Abraham always, um, really like, like just in one quote, like kind of wraps up like a, the summary of how you can understand things. And one of the quotes, um, pertains to this and it's, um, if, um, Oh gosh, I hate it when it does that when when you have something in your brain and then it um, flips out. Um, oh gosh, well I'll come back to the Abraham Hicks uh, quote, but um, oh that's what it is. Sorry, I'm back, <laughs> back online. Oh, I love that. Um, so when um, oh my gosh, oh. Uh, you can run away from you can run away from people, right? You can run away from circumstances, but you're just gonna keep showing up and meeting everyone. Like you're gonna keep meeting yourself, and so you can run away as many times and kill as many relationships as you want, but it's gonna continue to show up for you because you can't run away from yourself. You're in the relationship and you're creating your reality. So since you're creating your reality, you're still gonna be the same. If unless you decide to change, right? And you're still going to create the same things. So that's why I decided to do this work, right? Was because there was some things that kept happening on repeat that I was creating in my realities and it was really painful for me. And, and I don't want to live in painful relationships and I don't want to have, you know, horrible endings to beautiful relationships. So that's one of the things that I've decided for me is like seeking out this information, right? And and now that I've done like this um, research with the mother wound, I have completely understood that, you know, it does come from your childhood and there is a father wound as well. So maybe I'll do another podcast following this one on the father wound because I think that it's important to do both your masculine and your feminine side, right? Um, but I think the mother wound is probably the deepest and the closest to who we are because this is that you are never more one with someone on this planet than you are with your mother because of the way that we come to earth and i think that's a really um it sets a tone and it like i said it makes your who you are it's the closest to who you are it changes that dynamic of who you're going to be in the world um the father is second close right but the mother is the deepest so that's why i decided to start with this one um, okay. So 
how do, to detect how deep um, your mother wound is. And I, when I was doing the research, a lot of other podcasts and a lot of YouTube videos um, and a lot of psychologists kept talking about how, like, like they'd be like the seven signs or the 10 signs um, to know if you have a mother wound. But really after doing all the research and listening to all the psychologists talk on this subject, it's not to know whether you have a mother wound because we all have mother wounds. It's whether like, or not whether, it's how deep your mother wound is, right? Because how much is your mother wounds affecting your daily life, your reality? Um, and this is kind of a way to like take a mental checklist of these things to say, oh, are, are, am I in these areas? Like how, you know, at what level am I doing these things on this list that I'm about to go over with you guys? So like the first one is fear of others' disapproval. So if you are a type of person who you worry about people's opinion of you and disapproving of you and having to know your truths that other people having to understand that, which that was a big thing for me my whole entire life. I'm still working on that one. But if that is something for you, that is a mother wound because you most likely we're constantly trying to seek out approval or um, not get disapproval, right, from your mother, right? And that's, um, or a mother, or a mother figure, right? Or if you didn't have a mother, you would probably seek other people's approval because you were, you know, looking for that type of security emotionally. Number two, having a very high tolerance for people who treat you uh, very badly. <laughs> so um, this is another one where I had, um, it was a really strong area in my life where I even, you know, like it didn't matter the type of relationship I had in my life. Um, I would accept really negative and bad behavior and I never put down my boundaries and I never put out consequences for people. And not that you have to like put consequences to control other people around you. That's not what the consequences are for. Consequences are for to uphold your boundaries and they're purposeful. And so if someone does something that is really harmful for you and hurtful for your peace and your emotional and mental sanity, then you put up a boundary and you say, if you cross this again, this is, this is how I'm going to have to react because I can't accept that behavior in my life. And I don't allow that, um, you know, type of abuse in my world. Um, then number three is if you ignore your intuition on people. Um, so this one is a, is a big one because I think a lot of us hush that voice inside of us, right? Most of us can sense someone's, um, not, uh, someone's goal with us or someone's, oh gosh, I'm blanking on words today, but, um, we can usually sense like they're like if they're gonna be good or if they're gonna be doing bad. Like we can sense it before it actually occurs. And I think that we hush that voice in us because we have no evidence, right? We have no proof. And I know for me personally, um, I would do that a lot where before a big situation would occur, I could, it was like my spidey senses went off and I could feel, right? I could feel them lying to me whether I could prove it or not. I didn't know what they were lying about. I could, I could feel it. Um, I could feel, you know, just kind of distrust. I could feel, um, them like a weird, like weird conversations would occur and you'd be like, what in God's name would make them like 
like act that way. Like they're, you know, something's off on them, you know, something's weird. And I could feel that, but I never, I always, I love people so much. Everybody in my life, everybody that I meet, I fall in love with and I just adore. And I end up finding all these wonderful things that I kind of like ignore, like that part of me that tells me when someone's starting to go down the path, like, and you know, so you can kind of feel when someone's talking bad behind your back. Right. And then it comes to light and you're like, yeah, well, I kind of already felt that like five months ago, but I didn't listen to myself. So listen to that intuition. It's really important. If you're having those feelings, it's probably for no reason. Even women that are in relationships with someone who cheats on them, when they find like the evidence that someone's like, if they catch them red handed or they, you know, someone tells them, oh, this person's cheating on you. They have had the feeling for, you know, months, years prior, and they just kept ignoring it. So don't ignore that intuition. When you're feeling something, um, you need to take that seriously, right? You need to, um, make sure that you aren't following them into a path of destruction, right? Um, you aren't trying to suck them in just because you're worried that they're going to leave or that they're going to do something bad. Take note of that and start to recognize where your boundaries are and maybe you need to uphold them and pull them a little closer to you. Um, so mirroring others. So doing what you don't like to do merely because someone else wants to do it. Um, this happens when, you know, um, people say, oh, let's go to so-and-so's house. And you don't really want to go to so-and-so's house, but you do it for other people. So doing things for other people that you don't really want to do, this usually comes from, you know, in your childhood, um, you know, if there's a transitional period from child and mother to child going into adult and having that adult parent relationship and it's shifting, right? And usually what happens is in a healthy manner is that the parents start to um, change the, the dynamic of the environment and the boundaries for the child and to start allowing them to, to be more independent, start to, um, you know, uh, have a later curfew, um, have bigger chores in the house um, that, you know, help with the family, um, help make decisions. It's not just you do what I say, I'm your parent, sit down, get in the back seat. It's, um, well, what do you think and how do you feel on that? Do you, would you like to do something different for your summer vacation? You know, having more of that, um, balance between being a dictator <laughs> and allowing the child to be kind of become their own, their own rule maker of what is, how am I thinking on this? How am I feeling? And really you know, coaching them and guiding them through that. When you don't have that, right? When you have someone that constantly just wants to be gripped in control of you. And even when you become an adult, I know that for me and my family, it was, I was the baby of the family. It was really, really difficult for people in my family to allow me to grow up and be my own adult. They always thought because I was the baby and they were used to telling me what to do and telling me to, you know, uh, you know, you do this and be quiet and don't show emotion. And so then when I did grow up and I realized like, actually, like I could go to my own house and I don't have to listen to your rules. And just because you want me to come to a birthday party where people are going to be mean and nasty to me, I don't have to do that just, you know, because you want me to, I get to be in charge of my personal health and my personal emotions. And if I don't feel safe in an environment with you and my family members, I don't have to participate. And I think that that's where people feel like they, you know, they can't really 
make that shift because their parents are so strong in the I'm your parent. It's a respect thing. You can respect your parent, but still make choices for you, right? Even as a little child, um, there'll be times with my kids where my son doesn't want to eat something or doesn't want to go somewhere, right? And who am I to force that? Who am I to make a negative experience for him and say, I'm the parent. You have to do it because I think it's good for you. It's not necessarily what's best for him, right? And, and I'm figuring that out as a parent. And I think that that, um, is an important, um, dynamic at, and it changes throughout the childhood. So, um, but just if you recognize in yourself that you do things that you don't want to do saying yes, when you really mean no, it's not a good thing. Um, number five, being either very emotional and having poor boundaries or being so, unemotional that you're like completely closed off, right? And you have like this wall to people and you don't ever let them see who you are. Either one of those extremes, right, is really um, unhealthy and it's not good. And it just shows that, you know, that there isn't health there in that the respect of um, you shouldn't be a complete open book to people when you don't have the trust and the foundation with them and be so emotionally free with everybody and let them see who you are at such a deep level. Um, unless you've over the time, you know, created such a deep foundation and deep relationship that, you know, of mutual respect, if there's both sides, right. Um, or you shouldn't be so closed off. That's another sign of trauma in your childhood. And, Um, let's see, number six, um, was poor boundaries in itself. Just, um, and I'm super guilty of this, just not having boundaries for yourself because, you know, monkey see monkey do. If your, um, parents didn't have really healthy boundaries for other people, um, and didn't respect themselves, it's really hard to know how to do that for yourself. Right. Or if you had the type of parent that we just talked about, who was like, I'm your parent, you'll do what I'll say. Well, then you always looked to them for what to say or what to do, and you didn't know how to create as an adult. You didn't know how to flow over and create your own boundaries. And sometimes creating boundaries that only benefit someone else, like benefiting your parent or your siblings, or when you get into a relationship, maybe your partner, you know. Um, But healthy boundaries is super duper important. Um, And I've recognized that in my life because it makes... um, if you don't have healthy boundaries, what ends up happening is people take advantage of you, even really, really good, kind-hearted people, because you're training them, right? You're training the outside world how to treat you, and um, people will treat you how you um, expect to be treated. So if you're like, oh, walk all over me, then they're just, it's natural. Like, it's almost like an energy. They can't help it. Even like, even if they're good people, they're going to do that. Um, so just know that you're kind of like the gauge, you're the guide. So in the beginning of getting healthy and loving yourself, you might have to stand up really strong and have really, like, really dramatic boundaries at first, right? Because for so long, you've had such loose ones that people were really wrong. And you're going to ruffle feathers. People aren't going to like the boundary thing. Believe me, a lot of people are going to exit your life. I've experienced that. But the people who love you and the people that are going to be good for you and the people that are healthy are going to respect those boundaries because they, it's honestly, that's like if someone came to me that I loved and said, 
I need this, you know, like I need you to stop saying or doing this because it is affecting me emotionally at a deep level and I'm not going to um, go there for myself anymore. I would be like, I am all for that. And, you know, as long as it's in line with my safety and my personal boundaries, I would love to participate to make anybody healthy. Because I think when you love people and you um, care for people, you want to do what's best for them, right? Okay, so um, another, the last one is experiencing shame and guilt. So if you're constantly feeling ashamed of things you do and feeling guilt for the things you do, you most likely um, have your mom in your head, right? Um, and it's not, it's, those are not normal and healthy, um, emotions to be experiencing. Those are lower end emotions and it's showing some form of type of trauma, right? Um, because really in the end, if we want to break it down to like the basis of what this earth is, right? You were all love and light, every single person. And nobody's better than anybody. We're all just trying to figure it out. We're doing the best that we can. So you've got to take yourself off the hook, right? That doesn't mean that you can't improve. That doesn't mean that you can't make strides every single day to get better. But shame and guilt should not be a part of your everyday. You should not feel shameful and guilty for the way you've lived your life. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't want to change things, but you shouldn't feel that on a regular basis. Okay. Um, so now we move on to... How do we heal this big mother wound, right? And this, um, I, I found, the, so there was a few people that were really significant. Um, Bethany Webster was one of them. She's done a lot of work on the mother wound. So if you want to look her up, she's a really good place to start. Um, uh, Terry Cole did a really good video, a couple videos on it. Um, and, you know, you can just go onto YouTube, but when I compiled all of like the stuff that I was finding from everyone, um, it, their, their actions to heal this were really similar. Um, there was only just like a couple different things that were a little bit different. So I compiled it all together, um, to give you like the mega how to heal. And I actually did this work on myself. And like I said, at the beginning of this episode is, uh, there was a lot of tears, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot of release and a lot of beauty. And I'm going to tell you, after doing this healing work, the most beautiful thing that has come out of this, not only just healing, right, has been that as a mother of two boys myself, I am a present mother now. Like before, you know, life is busy. We are busy. We're living in the future. We're living in the past a lot of times, you know, within our heads. We are always striving for, I'm, especially me, I'm like a go-getter and I'm striving to constantly get things done. I have so much going on in my life that, you know, my kids need, it, need me at certain points and during different things. And a lot of the time I'm, you know, being like, hey, I got to go do this. I got to go do this because I need to do this, right? I got to, I got to. And now I have really, it's slowed me down in a way, like just mentally, where I recognize how my body language is acting when my son is pulling on my shoulder and asking for something. Um, it is taking a moment to just think about my response a little bit, you know, before I actually give it to him. When he asks me for something, um, there's a lot of like, it literally is just being in the moment. And, and thinking, how would I really want to be as a mom? Like, 
like, how would I, the best version of me want to respond right now to him and his needs? What is he needing? Right? Because like all those things we're not really consciously thinking of, we're just responding to whatever action they're giving us. Right. Instead of thinking like, Oh, are they doing this for some other reason? Like, what is it that they really need? You know, having that conversation, slowing down for a minute, looking into their eyes and saying, how are you feeling? Are, are you okay? You know, giving them extra hugs. It's really just made me more present as a mom. And even if it just gave me that, which I know it's given me so much more, um, I would say that everybody in the whole world, right, should work on their mother wounds because it, it's going to change your children. And I, there was a beautiful quote um, that I remember it, uh, it was, um, I was when I was doing my research for last episode, it was talking about how um, our children don't deserve you know, to um, relive our unhealth that we experienced as a ch- as children ourselves, right? They don't deserve all that, but yet we're dishing it to them. So if there's one reason to like, you know, do all this work, this healing work, it's so to to leave it with yourself and to not try to continue that chain of pain, right? I don't want to give all the things that are painful for me to my children, and yet. You know, I might have already passed some of that down. Who knows? But I want to stop it as much as I can. So I'm aware and I'm awake today and that's the best I can do. And so join me in these next steps to heal your mother wounds. So the first step, and I think that this is a really crucial, important step um, for people is to start with the awareness that this is, that this process is not about judgment or blaming, right? Because a lot of stuff is going to come up and it might feel like you're wagging your finger at your mom, which doesn't feel good. And, and even, even if you don't like your mom, right? Um, that doesn't feel good to be judging someone. Judging someone is not healthy, right? So that's not what this is. But getting clear about the dysfunction of our pasts is an essential piece of healing. You cannot heal without being aware and recognizing really where the dysfunction lies. And I think that that's was kind of, um, why I didn't heal for, for many years. I'm a very healthy person on a lot of levels, but I held on to these mother wounds because I did this thing where I wanted to, I never wanted to feel like I had a bad childhood. Right. And, and that's the thing we don't want to have to give it that label. And I didn't necessarily have a bad childhood. I had a beautiful childhood. I had a, I had an amazing mom who loved me to the ends of the earth, right? But she had her own wounds and she had her own pain. And it, it affected me in ways that now I'm an adult and I've become, you know, a mother myself. And I notice that I do things or I act out in relationships specific ways because of what I did not receive from my own mom. So this is not... Um, to shame your mom. And so this work might really just be uh, really personal and something that you kind of keep to yourself um, or, you know, um, sharing with people that you know can keep it private because we don't ever want to embarrass our mothers. Um, and we, you know, you can still love your mom, but acknowledge that you have those wounds. So start with that. Then Number two, the mother gap, right? So taking inventory of your foundation and how it was built. This can be really hard for some people because um, 
you have to really kind of look at the foundation. You have to ask yourself a lot of questions. And I wrote down some really good starting questions, but some main things is to look at how do you see yourself? Did that really come from you or did you come from your mother? Because we naturally, monkey see, monkey do, right? We take on how someone else is acting and how someone else is projecting things. So the first question to discover some of this like foundation that's been created in your life and take the inventory of where there are gaps is just to understand how was my how has my mom influenced um who I am as a person, right? And there's going to be a lot of beautiful things. No doubt you are an amazing beautiful being, right? Your mom is an amazing and beautiful being no matter who she is, right? She's powerful. She came to this earth. She got here. She created life. You, right? So it's there's beautiful things, but what are some things that maybe like when you look in the mirror, right? That you pick out on yourself. Is that you or is that your mom? Um, I know for me personally, one of the things I can share is that I grew up in a household, all women. We didn't have a father growing up, right? Um, my dad was in the picture, but you know, very minimally, it was like every summer I'd see him. And so on a day-to-day basis, it was just me and my mom and my sisters. And there was a lot of feminine energy and um, there was a lot of male bashing, right? Um, because the the man wasn't there and they're good for nothing and we can survive without them and go women, hurrah, 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 right? But in the end, how did that really affect and create who I was? Well, that made me super independent, right? It made me hard to be the feminine to, to a masculine in a marriage. It, it made me be the driver all the time, right? Um, and I never really saw that as a negative thing because in my household as a child, that was upheld as like, you know, we were we were survivors, we were warriors, we were like, you know, it was like a positive thing, which I think that's beautiful. But also there's a piece to that, that we do need dads, right? We do need that male influence because there's this two there's two pieces to it right and there's good in both right and so um, how to how to um, check in on that you know what part of you is in fact like maybe it's a really strong piece of you but is that from your mom right um, and where, how did that come about? And, or is, or are there really hard things about you? You know, do you like, okay, for example, are there, are you antisocial? You know, think, think back to your childhood. Why could that be? You know, did you not feel safe around other people? Um, maybe because your mom wasn't there in social settings. And when we're little and we're little children, we, if you notice, um, babies will, be next to their mom's side as like toddlers and then they'll run, you know, if they're in a social setting, they'll run and they'll play, but then they'll run right back to their mom because they want to make sure, you know, like I'm safe here. I'm safe here with my mom. My mom, it's okay. I can run out in the world and, and discover the world and, you know, explore the world, but then I can come back to where I feel the safest and that's with my mom. And, and doctors and pediatricians will tell you that over and over again. The safest place for a baby is with its mother right? When the baby's born, skin to skin, right? The mom and the baby, it, there's nothing more, um, you know, bonding and security and safety than it, with the mom, the baby and the mom. It's super important. So if 
there were times where, and maybe it wasn't a lot, but maybe you were left at the babysitters way past when you were supposed to, right? Because your mom was busy in college, like mine. My mom was busy raising a family and getting a degree. And that there's nothing wrong with that. But that experience of being left at the babysitters way past time pickup, it did something to me, right? It made me feel scared. It made me feel unstable. It made me feel like, like, um, I didn't matter, you know, and my mom would never wish that on me. If she knew that that affected me that way, I think that should be sad. Right. But it's okay. You know, and we just have to heal from that. It's, there's no intention in it. It's just that that's what it does to a child's emotion and a child's brains. So Another question to ask yourself is what beliefs that I cognitively think about. So these, this will be an easy question to answer because um, when you're cognitively thinking about things, you're aware of it, right? So what beliefs that I'm cognitively aware of did my mom teach me about me, right? So for some people, this is a really, really popular one. Um, is people's body image, right? So I'll, I'll hear girls day in and day out, and I didn't really have this experience. My mom didn't teach this to me um, through our dynamic, but a lot of girls talked about how they have really negative body image because their moms were actually jealous. And it's true, like the mom doesn't even understand that she is jealous of her daughter. But, you know, to tell you the truth, you know, I think that's the beauty of like children, right? They're supposed to super secede us in everything. So if you're a gorgeous woman, imagine the beauty of a child that's going to come out of you, right? And that's how I feel for my kids. I'm like, oh my God, you're like so magnificent that I can't even fathom you, right? You're just beautiful. And I think for some women, especially wounded women, that's hard, right? They, you know, they feel like they should be number one. And when they see someone outshining them, um, it, it, and they don't have, they haven't healed that part of them. It hurts. And so they act out towards their child in an unhealthy way. Um, the next question to think about is when there was uncertainty in my home as a child, how did my mom handle it? And how did you react to your mom's reaction? So everybody's going to be different on this, right? But if your mom, which majority of the world didn't have like there's not a lot of education and um awareness on how to be healthy that's why a lot of people end up going into um, counselors and therapy right and the reason for that is because we have these childhoods right and we don't have good models for how to handle stressful environments stressful situations um and handle negative things um because we have had examples um, that didn't know how to handle it. And then we, as adults, how do you expect anyone to handle negative situations, right? It's, um, the fight or flight, you end up either being really in someone's face and pinning them down to the ground because you're going to be above them in that situation. Or the other person ends up trying to just run away because they can't handle the strong emotion. So how how do how do you handle things when things are tense, stressful, and look back on how your parents did, right? What did you, what was the monkey see, monkey do in that situation, you know? Um, and you'll, you'll find a lot to uncover there. And I noticed, like, for me, one of my biggest things with 
um, as mom, as a parent, you know, for me, I feel a lot of shame and guilt around, um, when I get angry, when things get stress and intense, how I handle myself, how, how I, how I, I want to snap at people, you know, I want to yell, I want to, um, tell them to get in line, you know, like this is pissing me off. (laughs) And, um, it's comes from my childhood is my mom. That's how she would handle it. She, if it was a very intense situation and things were just going one after another, wrong, 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 you know, um, she would snap and she would just have a moment and, and we've got to find healthier ways, right? As adults, we've got to find ways that don't damage our children, you know, or don't make our children feel unsafe around us. Um, because raising your voice and spanking your kids and, you know, all those things, not judging anybody, everybody is on their own path and doing exactly what they should be doing. But when you recognize that you have those behaviors, you know, that's not something that you want to do and want to be like, I know for me immediately after I yell at my kids or, you know, yell in the presence of my children, um, I feel Im- Im- immense guilt and, and I'm like, Oh, I wish I could have handled that better. How could, and, you know, just asking yourself that question, like, you know, forgiving yourself, of course, but then asking yourself like, okay, okay. I know I do this when I get mad. How can I soothe myself? How can I soothe myself so that I'm reacting to tension and stress in a healthy way? What do I need to do? Do I need to like, you know, like turn towards the wall and just breathe for a second. Like, what do I need to do? Right. Um, and so discovering what that is for you. Um, the next question is what needs did your mom meet for you as a child? Oh, not, not did they meet because that's not what we're talking about, but what needs did they not meet? (laughs) Sorry. So you know, this, this one might take a little time and you can, you know, sit down and write a list and, um, it might, this one might be harder to see. Cause I think especially when, you know, as, as kids, we're so resilient and we're so positive and we don't stay on things for too long. So unless you've had a lot of trauma, um, some of these things might be hard to see. Um, but you know, uh, one of the beautiful things that someone else did on a podcast was the girl couldn't really cognitively know, but she said, okay, well, we're going to turn in to ask your inner child. So she asked her inner child, you know, like what, what was it that you didn't get? Like, how did you feel like as a child? And, you know, just taking that moment to meditate on that and turn to your inner child and ask. And I did that for myself and I was like blown away by what came up for me. And and it just makes sense. It ties to all the, the things, the quirks that I have of, of, you know, wanting to not, you know, not put up boundaries because I want to keep people, you know, I want to keep people in my life because I love them and I adore them. And, but recognizing when, when that's, you know, not, not good for me and not good for my family and not good for my environment. So, um, yeah, so that, so making, you know, the, the awareness of those gaps, right. Um, then next, the next step, the third step in the healing yourself is, Make sure you take time to grieve, um, and allow, um, allow to grieve and then receive 
like the information of like what your dream mom would have been, right? And even if you have a really good relationship with your mom and you think your mom did an amazing job, I think that there are probably still some areas where you're like, I wish that she would have made me school lunches or I wish that on, you know, uh, on holidays she did this and so on. You know, like there's there's always going to be something. So even if, like I said, you have, you're on a lower end of the spectrum for this, um, there's still some stuff that I think that you could grieve that you never grieved as a child. And then um, think about your dream mom of like what that would look like for you. So number four, the step is filling the gap, um, being that dream mother to yourself. So, um, I know for me, um, I've done this for my inner child just intuitively and naturally on, on a lot of things, but I could, I'm going to take it even further from doing this work is, um, I really want to take the time to, you know, give myself like, so like those moments that I was talking about when I, when things get really intense and I get really stressed out, um, maybe talking about like how I would have wanted my mom to react. Right. And then be able to heal that for myself and react that way for my children and being, being the person that can provide, um, the stable environment, the happy home for myself, you know, um, and, and just to heal those emotions and be there, be my biggest best friend, be someone that always is thinking the best of me. That's what I really, you know, I wish for everyone in my life, in my relationships. And I know that comes from my mother wound of just really wanting everybody to see the best in me, but I don't need everybody else to be able to see how amazing I am. I can do that for myself. And and that's where like this whole love yourself journey has really come for me is like, I should be the first person to be my best friend and back myself up. And, you know, um, if, if anybody's going to talk about how amazing I am, it should be me. Like, cause I'm the closest person to me and I really want to love myself that way. And I think that's part of filling this gap is filling those things that you really need from everybody else. Right. Um, and most likely it came from needing it from your mother first. Um, and if you didn't feel like you got it, you can do it for yourself. You don't need anybody else to lift you up. You can do it yourself and you can love yourself in a way that is more fulfilling because it, it's like an internal source that just you have control over. You don't have control over anybody else, but you have control over how you treat yourself. So I'm going to live the rest of my life loving myself and treating myself well and you know, stopping other people from treating me negatively, saying, I'm not going to participate in that behavior with you, you know? So I think that, um, there is a lot of healing in, in being your own best friend. Right. Um, and there was a lot of talk and I think this was probably for more for like another section, um, that I didn't add in here, but there was a lot of, um, signs of trauma, childhood trauma, um, that society doesn't really recognize. And, um, mostly because, so Bethany Webster talked a lot about how the mother wound really comes from living in a patriarchal society, um, and our societal beliefs. And it's so true. Um, I think that, um, as women, right, we have to, 
um, because we were, you know, shunned and looked at as less as for so many generations, right? Um, mothers were tr- only trying to protect their daughters um, by, you know, you can be beautiful, but you can't be too sexy because nobody wants someone too sexy. Well, like you can't be like less than, but you can't be too much. You got to be just like, so then it makes you have like this weird complex. Like, so what if I'm too pretty, I'm a slut. But if you know, like all these things that society tells you, which I think are, is really awful. And I, I remember being a stepmom to two beautiful daughters. I, it was really a challenge because we have all these societal beliefs. I got hit with a lot of societal beliefs by people, you know, being talking about my daughters just, you know, showing too much of their stuff and all these things. And, you know, at one point, you know, yeah, I can see what they're saying. And as a mom, I, you know, wanted to like put a rug over them because I'm like, oh, these are my babies. But at the same time, it's like, but what are we teaching as a society to our women? Oh, what women can't, they're, they're, bodies are shameful, you know, they can't, they're, they're not like, there's something to be ashamed of. And so I don't know, there's like this really weird, like unhealthy balance that we have in our society. And I exactly know what Bethany Webster was speaking on, that it's just, um, you know, it plays out in these mother daughter relationships at an extreme, because we end up you know, trying to fit our daughters into societies in these society boxes, right? You can't be too fat, but you can't be too skinny because now you have to have a big ass to be beautiful. And if you don't, if you have a regular size body, you're nothing, right? So it's like stuff like that, that really like, and then, so then moms, like, you know, like we are doing our best, but we want our daughters to be seen as the most amazing things on this planet too. So we do some unhealthy things without even knowing and recognizing it because society is feeding in all these really unhealthy um, man first type of scenarios, right? Um, so I think that um, that's something to think about. And, and one of the things that was really um, interesting to me is when she said that, you know, like children who are like adult-like who, when they're at like a party, they want to sit and talk with adults, right? I always, I mean, I did that as a kid. Like I always was like trying to be friends with my mom's friends, like always like trying to strike up a conversation. And you know, it's funny because I always just thought like, I even have a nephew like that where it's like, oh, you're just like a little man in a, in a, a kid's body. But that's a sign of trauma. You know, that's a sign that they don't feel comfortable being like a free child that's just like children shouldn't be like little adults it's not healthy um another one was um a mother and a child when the when it gets you know to an older age the mother um and daughter or son being like best friends that can be a really sign of unhealth on the mother's part because the mom putting all of the um, responsibility on the child of like, oh, you're my best friend. We talk every day. That's too much meshing. And they actually, the psychologists talk about how that's really unhealthy and it's good to have like a close relationship with your mom, but you should never be their emotional sounding board. They should not be talking to you like they talk to their girlfriends. Um, you can confide in your mom as a younger to the elder, right? Like needing some advice and support, but, um, being best friends kind of, is a, is a unhealthy trauma sign is what they were talking about. So something to think about. 
But yeah, so pretty much that wraps up the mother wound. Um, like I said, it's a lot of content that I'm um, pushed into one episode. Um, this is quite a long episode, but I think it was really important and really needed. And I'm just so thankful for, you know, understanding this. And now I'm excited to go into like the masculine side and go into like the, the father wound and see what lies there because, you know, um, I think it's really important to balance those and heal those both sides. And I think a lot of our society does talk about like, you know, like daddy issues and all that kind of stuff, uh, but it has a bad rap, but how, how do we really heal that? So I think we'll go into that next, but thank you so much for joining me on this episode. And, um, I hope wherever you are, you're having a wonderful day and take care of yourself and love yourself. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Mm-hmm.